Hello and welcome to Fresh Off the Boat. My name is Arjun Seth and I run uh, Edbrand Consulting. We are an education consultancy firm based in New Delhi. We help high school kids uh, identify right fit colleges, courses, majors, careers, hopefully someday. And uh, uh, this initiative of running this podcast uh, came about uh, simply to get more communication going with our current students who, uh, who feel a bit disappointed with what's going on in the world and their plans to uh, travel and uh, attend universities abroad seems to be sort of in a limbo at the moment. So we just thought of reconnecting with students I've known. Uh, and some of them are like today's guest, Saurabh Dargar, uh, really uh, delighted to host is uh, not just a student anymore. <laughs> he's been a PhD scholar. He's, uh, he's taught many people. So there's, uh, uh, you know, that that reverse role reversal that I expect in this uh, conversation to happen. So looking forward to this chat. And uh, my first question to you, Saurabh, would be when you moved to uh, RPI and your early days of settling into a life in a new country uh, near Albany, New York, and uh, settling in on campus, how did you uh, think of it as a high schooler going from India? What was exciting or daunting about the whole journey. Uh, Arjun, first of all, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for, for inviting me to be part of this conversation. Um, I think I, I've, I, I have to say uh, I learned a lot from you. Uh, I've continued to stay in touch, so um, I, I have a lot to be grateful for. Uh, with that being said, um, I think, as you mentioned, with the journey and when I started, where I am today, where I'm looking to go, uh, there's there's obviously uh, a, a wealth of opportunity to discuss and, and and share some insights. So your first question around sort of what was what was in my mind as a high schooler getting ready to, to leave and head off to college? It's a good question. Um, someone asked me that a couple of days ago. You know, when did you decide that you wanted to go to states, go to the states for college? And I actually couldn't pinpoint exactly when that came into my mind. So the question of what was 12th grade me thinking about? Um, I think that spans even further back. If I go back to eighth and ninth grade, I had visions of, uh, you know, what it went, would be like to go to college in America. You know, you, you watch movies and you talk to your cousins, you have ideas. So I, I think a couple of things were key top of mind for me. Number one was I knew I was stepping into um, uh, a rigorous collegiate environment. So I was going in for engineering. So I knew I was heading into an academic curriculum that was well-rounded, but also uh, quite rigorous. I went to RPI, it's known for a, to be a very rigorous engineering college. So I think that was one thing I was already prepared for. And to be honest, the Indian education system sets you up very well for that. Uh, the second thing that I was thinking about that felt a little more daunting was uh, coming from uh, India, having to already traveled the world, I, I felt fairly confident in, in living overseas uh, living in a new country. But I think one thing that kept, came to mind was like, what would the social environment be like? You have perceptions, your ideas. So maybe not daunting, but it felt uncertain as to how you would assimilate, how you would make friends, where you would be living. Uh, my personality is such where I'm, I'm sort of an ambivert, I'm not completely an extrovert. So some people who are extroverts tend to assimilate in a different manner than I would. So I think when I think back to what was daunting, I think sort of the social aspect was, was something that comes to mind. But with that being said, very quickly, within the first week or so, I realized that you very quickly find a community. 
Uh, everyone is still a freshman. Everyone is still coming out of high school with similar experiences, subcategories and different, dissimilar in, in, in some categories. So I think embracing diversity was almost the path to finding some sort of unity in, in, in the social situation. So um, I think thinking about the flip side, it was a very smooth transition for me. Um, and honestly, I look back on the, that time very fondly. That's fantastic. Also, uh, since you've been in the US in the education system for a long time, and now I think it's what, 13 years you've lived in the United States, uh, and most of it has been academic related and also now work for the last few years. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the decisions you made and some of the challenges you had to make and change your path because from engineering, what really happened at RPI during the undergrad years? What made you think of different things that you could study? And now you're working in a, a medical sort of a, sort of a powerhouse, Pfizer, and you're a business consultant in some terms of strategy and everything. So it's very interesting to see how you've made those connections. What do you attribute this journey to? When I look back on it, um, I, I think I see two inflection points or two pivot points in my career. Uh, starting as a freshman, I knew I wanted to be an engineer. I went in as a mechanical engineer and right off the bat, um, I, I had this picture in my mind that I, I wanted to design automobiles. Uh, my father's a car enthusiast. Uh, I am a car enthusiast. So I had that dead set. When I started in college by year one, I realized that I loved cars. I didn't necessarily carry the intellectual passion to carry it forward. So I started looking for an opportunity to apply sort of these engineering skills, but operate in an area where I had an impact. And I very quickly, I discovered biomedical engineering, which was like almost a perfect mesh between the two concepts. You build technology to help people almost with immediate or hopefully a direct impact on society. So um, by my sophomore year, I had switched over to biomedical engineering was well on my way, was enjoying it. At one point, even considered going pre-med. Uh, but as I neared to the end of my undergraduate career, um, I was asked the question, what do I want to do now? Most of my friends were uh, interviewing, they were heading off, they were getting jobs right out of undergrad. I knew I didn't want to do that just yet. Um, reason being, first inflection point was I started off as an undergraduate researcher. So I found a very good lab uh, with uh, a very well-renowned uh, researcher from MIT who was doing some work in surgical robotics. And that sort of, once again, became sort of the backbone of my consistent sort of academic thinking was I want to operate in technology, science, and, and helping people. So I put aside any idea of working, and I was offered a position into a, 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 into a master's PhD track to continue the work in surgical robotics. So that was sort of the first inflection point and I loved the first few years of it uh, very much. It was a intellectually challenging time. Uh, it pushed me in ways that I had never imagined. Uh, and it also gave me a lot, uh, something I, I, I owe to today as well. The structured thinking, the, the ability to dive deep but zoom out as well. Um, but towards the end of my, uh, my, my doctoral career, I realized that um, I felt like I had done enough uh, from my perspective in the academic space. I was looking a way to take that academic knowledge and bring it to life. 
So that's when I circled back to my undergraduate years and I had also done a double major in, in business management. And I started to see these like sort of lines connect and, and in a way make a big circle. So I I found out that there was opportunities in the space of life sciences consulting. Business and science, uh, they come together. Um, and there were a couple of big firms that were looking for opportunities to bring in PhDs that can uh, help you know, the firm be scientific in nature, but make them come to life very quickly. So towards the end of my doctorate, uh, I, I sort of encountered my second inflection point where I decided to pivot into the science and business business uh, space. So I did a couple of years of management consulting, helping pharma and life sciences clients do things better, faster, cheaper. And since then, I've transitioned on to Pfizer, uh, as you mentioned earlier, and I'm doing similar work in a, in a different capacity. So looking back, two major inflection points, all driven by sort of self-reflection, uh, digging deep into what I wanted to do. Um, and one thing I've recognized is that what I wanted to do doesn't need to be the same thing. It can evolve. So allowing yourself the freedom to actually allow that very thing to evolve over time is somewhere where you will not only find happiness, but hopefully eventually success as well. Fascinating. I think just being agile and also knowing that there's uh, there are people you could reach out to being enterprising. And I remember that from your high school years uh, in 2005, six, <laughs> you yeah, being the student in your school and uh, you know making all opportunities happen. I remember the, distinctly, you know, you'd be one of the students who'd be always calling and saying, okay, what do I do next? And how do I do this and do that? So that the energy definitely continued. Uh, about biotechnology, very often students come over to discuss this with me. And uh, we have a certain big future book that we refer to and say, okay, these are the careers that you can have. And of course, the evolving field. Uh, but for a layman or an eager student who wants to know a high schooler, how would you define career tracks in biotech and what preparation colleges provide students to follow those career tracks? I think that's a great question, and I think it's uh, top of mind for me um, for, the, for the reasons you're well aware. My brother is finishing off his 12th grade and in the process of transitioning to the freshman year as well. So the question of what does the space of biotech look like? What do you need to do to get there? Um, I think undergraduate education, especially if you want to be in uh, sciences, so pure sciences or in engineering, um, Ensuring that you work towards solidifying fundamentals is important. So even before you get to the point of thinking about biotech as new drug development or, or designing new devices or creating new technology, I think it comes back to the basics. So, you know, ensuring that physics one, physics two, math one, math two, diff EQ, you know, all those hard courses we slog over and, and do over, well, you know, long day, you put in long nights for, those actually pave the way in a big way. So I think, what does it take? Undergraduate education, particularly on the fundamentals, is one thing that uh, I would I would definitely mention as a key area to focus on uh, as you're going through undergrad. Once you come out of those in a, that space of fundamentals, probably towards the end of your undergraduate degree, then you have a couple of different options to think about. Are you looking to actually be going to the field of academic academia? So 
Are you interested in the master's or a PhD? Or is a particular aspect of biotech interesting to you? And at that point, if you can tell yourself that you're willing to um, commit yourself to the intellectual pursuit of science in the field of biotech for the next five, seven, eight years, uh, and there's a particular aspect about that that is very interesting, then academia is a very good uh, place to start. Uh, it's drooling, but it's a very good place to start to even pivot into uh, academia as a professor or even going on and becoming a research scientist at, at large pharma companies. The other aspect is uh, within biotech, you ha also have the opportunity to actually, right after undergrad, pivot into uh, junior roles within biotech and pharma. So there's plenty of opportunity allowing uh, young scientists or young undergrads to step in, see what the landscape looks like and figure out what they want to do. Do they want to go back to school and pursue a deeper level of science or do they wish to stay within that field but maybe stay towards the, the more business-oriented side of the business? So taking a step back, there's multiple fields there's pharma, biotech, R&D, early stage, late stage. There's even finance involved. Private equity and VC venture capitalists are very well involved in all these spaces as well. So uh, there's no one way that you can categorize the space, but thinking about the fact that you want to be in biotech, focus on the fundamentals early in undergrad, and soon enough uh, begin to find opportunities either in academia or industry. And following that, you'll begin to find sufficient opportunities well, that think, lend yeah. its well. Yeah, I think it definitely sets a roadmap for students interested and know that there is a wealth of opportunities available. Uh, you know, in, if you look at computer science, and uh, we know that students might be interested in uh, either, say, app dev, web dev, uh, or, say, machine learning, AI, or embedded systems. and things like that. In biotech, it's such a wide field and it sort of is so interdisciplinary. Which are the three, four, whatever, five areas of specialization at the undergrad level or postgrad level students are pursuing? Which are the more popular ones? Um, I think when we think about biotech um, or within the medical space, uh, if, I would, if I can speak to that for a second, as you mentioned, it's interdisciplinary. Um, what we're seeing now is um, industry recognizes that they're a little behind the curve when it comes to uh, data science, artificial, artificial intelligence, or machine learning uh, capabilities. So what they're doing is now recognizing that uh, this talent needs to be built up, these capabilities need to be built up, and they're actually uh, leveraging uh, traditional tech. So you can walk into a biotech company and you can find five scientists, you can find, find five MBAs, and you'll find five data scientists who maybe jump ship from Uber or, or Lyft or, or another Tech Valley company. So I think in terms of connecting back to the, the key fields that are um, strong areas to go into if you want to be in the space of biotech, it's um, within computer systems, uh, of course, basic programming that eventually takes you into deep learning. So machine learning, deep learning is one space. The other space is uh, biochemistry. So if you want to be a pure sciences person within the biotech field, 
that's one space to continue to, to specialize in. And then, of course, there's the application side of all this, which is more engineering different. So systems biology or biomedical engineering. These are a couple, three main fields that come to mind that coalesce really well in, um, in sort of the, the pharma, biotech, medtech space, because once again, it's not just scientists or engineers or tech people. It's all of them coming together. So if someone has an interest in, in, in medtech or biotech and they have an inclination for data science, that's not stopping them from going in. Great. I remember meeting you uh, while I was visiting 2014 or 15. I don't remember when, but uh, I was at uh, Smith College visiting uh, the admissions office and you drove back, yeah. drove by to see me and that was fascinating. And at that time, I was uh, really interested to learn about the startup idea you had with your professor back then. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know, wearing a entrepreneur hat while you are researchers with a team of researchers. How was that experience? How did it pan out? And where is it at, right? I think that I, I probably look back at that as probably one of the most uh, formative years as part of my second inflection point I was talking about earlier. It be, it's because it's it's a time, uh, it, it's a, looking back, it's a time in my life which forced me to make decisions and uh, commit to something. Um, I, at that point, I knew I wanted to transition away from just pure sciences, but wanted to start interfacing with business. So looking back at that, I think that was a, a great learning experience in a couple of different ways. It actually forced me to uh, make the decision whether I wanted to stay in academia or move to the interface of, of sort of uh, science and business. Um, what the startup really was, it was uh, me and some of my co-researchers, we were looking to develop some technology, license it out to um, medical simulation and medical imaging um, societies that were looking to better their skills. So we wanted to use simulation to create technology for them. Um, we had an idea, we built a prototype, we sourced it, we developed it, uh, we pitched it, we uh, eventually got great buy-in. Um, but the end story goes, um, despite our, our strengths, uh, our size, or the fact that we were a couple of um, sort of uh, doctoral students got in our way, um, but that didn't sort of, I guess, if you, if you will kill the passion. So looking back on that, I realized that I had a passion for sort of the business aspect, but I wanted to stay in medicine. Uh, I developed great relationships with uh, people within the community, and, and these are people who are still my mentors throughout the space, but be it in academia or it in uh, some federal funding institutions and things of that nature. So once again, formative year and um, to the question of where is that today? That idea does not live in its current state today, but what we are doing today is we're taking similar technology and actually in the process of applying it to developing some new um, uh, platforms to help um, limit the spread of infectious diseases, particularly uh, today we're talking about COVID. So a um, couple lessons, technology can be applied multiple different ways. It can, uh, putting yourself in complex environments uh, can force you to make good decisions, can force you to make decisions whether you want to make them or not. Um, and lastly, um, it allows you to make connections that you probably wouldn't otherwise. So my advice, 
if you're an undergrad or a master student and you can have the ability to set up a business uh, and, and push the boundaries, uh, you should do it. Great. I also read somewhere on your LinkedIn profile that surgical robotics was a keen area of interest. If you now look at the world where it is, uh, telemedicine is being talked about a lot more. Uh, and I guess surgical robotics has uh, some important part to play in that too. Uh, also data science and uh, things that you were talking about, simulations. Uh, where do you see uh, bigger opportunities? Which big problems can biotech in general try to solve now? What's at the cutting edge? Um, th thinking about the world that we live in today, uh, biotech has multiple problems it, it can potentially solve. Top of mind, of course, is pushing the boundaries on clinical research, finding new drugs, developing new uh, compounds or, or vaccines to actually help uh, problems that face us today. So that's that's one thing, and that's cutting edge in many different ways, but that's also situational. But looking forward where uh, this technology sort of biotech in general is likely to lead us to. It's likely to lead us into a couple of different areas. Um, thinking about digital health is one space. So you're talking about tele telemedicine, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Developing technologies to allow you to get better access to your physician as one. But what about developing technologies that make access to medicines better, faster, and more cheaper? So all these background systems that were traditionally, you know, uh, brick and mortar, uh, very paper driven industries. Technology can really get into that space and improve access to medicines and access to care to people who probably don't have it and improve the access to the people who already have it. So that's one place where I see pharma, medicine, um, tech companies really coming together and pushing the boundaries. And in today's day and age, it's because we don't have any other options. The other space is, I, I think, uh, thinking about the big, big space is gene therapies. So what if we could find cures for diseases that we've been managing up until this point? This is a very interesting space. It's driven by pure science um, and uh, is likely to pose one of the bigger, more, I guess, also ethical questions, but also the more uh, uh, pose a solution that humanity is likely to, to, to not, has never seen before. So finding cures for diseases like hemophilia uh, is, is a big one. So I think pure sciences from a gene therapy perspective is, is another big one. And I think that the last one is um, sort of quality of life, if you will. So biotech is out here to not only just create drugs and medicines and devices to, to prolong a life, but what about the quality of life? So uh, what if we could invest in devices, technology, and, and, and platforms that could improve our quality of life and not just ensure that we can live 10 more years, we can live 10 more years in a better manner. So this is more about the lifestyle aspect, you know, using Fitbits, wearables, sensors to be able to track ourselves better, to be able to get better outcomes and actually walk away with more with that exact same sort of set of years of life. So three big areas uh, that sort of come to mind. Of course, there's more to come, but, um, also partially one of the reasons why this space is just very interesting to me. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think uh, many students uh, we work with would be, uh, yeah, I think they'll be more informed 
once they listen to uh, these things because as a high schooler you're all wide-eyed and you know you want to figure out things you hear about these things uh, of course it takes many years of preparation to get into these industries and fields uh, but going back to uh, advice you would want to give high schoolers who are interested in life sciences uh, not necessarily just pre-med uh, what are the few things they could do? You know, suggestions, books, authors, crash courses, online, whatever, inspirations. Uh, what do you think uh, would have helped? Who, who, who should they follow? What should they be reading? Things like that. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, folks work with different models. Some people have one role model. Uh, some people have multiple role models. Some people don't have role models. They have, uh, they believe in in sort of the power and numbers. Um, looking back, and if I can think about it, when I was in high school, what would have helped me get to where I am, maybe in a, a sooner or in a better way? I think I probably would have um, continued to just read a lot more uh, about the space I was interested in. I, earlier, I mentioned I was very interested in automobiles. I think I should have taken a step back and thought about what that industry looks like when I see myself um, versus, uh, you know, today I'm in, in in this field and I look back and I was like, only if I had thought about it in and taken a longer view, uh, I may have pivoted earlier. So my advice would be to, to identify where your passions are, identify what you're good at or what you think you're good at because it's, it's you're never going to know what you're 100% good at right out the gate. It takes time. But at least finding your passion, finding what you're good at, because those two need to intersect, and then trying to put yourself into a position 10 years from now. So if you want to become a CEO of a company or you want to go become go work for this particular company, put yourself there and try to draw a line backwards to yourself today and see what that path looks like. If you want to go work for Goldman Sachs, okay, what does this get to take? This means I have to have this GPA, or I have to go to this school, I have to take these classes, I have to read these books. Work your way backwards to yourself today. That will, if it's easier said than done, but that will help at least paint a path to get you there. Um, I'm in life sciences, so I would read a lot of uh, interdisciplinary stuff. So read a lot of uh, Atul Gawande. He talks a lot about the intersection, intersection of society, medicine, um, uh, diversity, multiple different aspects. So that's just one example. Um, from an advice perspective, know where, you, know where you think you want to be, draw a line backwards, try to fill the gaps, work towards it, and be willing to course correct. Super. Thank you. I think uh, with that, I want to uh, wrap up today's discussion, but it seems that we could go on for a few more hours. It's so great catching up with you, Saurabh, as uh, always. Uh, looking forward to future success. And uh, we will be organizing a few panels, and I'm sure you, your, your advice and uh, the information that you hold in your head and the experience that you could share in those panels would be fascinating, too. Uh, so thank you. Thank you again for your time. Of course, always happy to help Arjun and, 